either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. In this lesson, I'd like to go over words and expressions you can use when you discuss movies with other people. I know everybody loves movies. I love movies. I'm sure you love movies. And there's lots of words that have to do with movies that you might not be familiar with, but they're very good to know if you want to talk about movies with your friends or whoever. No way. Yes way, Ted! Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Dark Carnival. <laughs> And I'm Shaggy, and we are the artists formerly known as Insane Clown Posse. Now known as the Insane Clown Posse, because we've true. gone mainstream. And uh, the philosophy is that uh, we're not here to save the monks in Tibet, sorry. We're not here to uh, save the rainforest, sorry about that too. But in fact, we are here to get paid. <laughs> we're living proof that you can drop out in sixth grade and still make a million bucks. I'd be honored if you helped lead me in my crusade against crime and help me take these dirty motherfuckers out. What about them, man? Will you do it? Hell no. Not for free. You're gonna have to pay me. This ain't exactly no Star Wars, motherfucker. But if you can afford me, we can get it on. But the dark kind of will take your soul away and give you mythical adventure in a magical way that I opinion are really the last subculture i mean i guess you can say that about you know uh, deadheads and yeah. fish fans and stuff but i mean like you know we're one of few if not the last one you know as an outsider to really someone who's never really involved in the group in the family looking outside in that's the most endearing quality is like the family and like the community and just stick together no matter what like that is family you know i come from a mixed family i have all sorts of family shit yeah, me too, man. <laughs> they all do I do agree with all of it. I mean, what I've watched on YouTube, and it's all about family and togetherness and just being whatever the fuck you're into. If it's painting your face and being crazy and drinking Fago, fucking do it. Like, they do it the hardest. I don't care what you're into. If you put that much effort and that much passion into anything, I'm in. 
think the overall mantra of Juggalos is do whatever you want that makes you happy as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Who gives a fuck what anybody else thinks about, you know, what makes you happy? I own my own business, so I've got colleagues that they know what I'm about. And even in my, my old corporate job, they're like, so you're one of those people? You know, <laughs> you know, I'll send random pictures to people I work with and here's me on stage launching a Fago, you know. <laughs> How in the hell is that any kind of fun? It's like, man, until well, you experience it, you just don't get it. <laughs> so it's like they're so far off that normal route. But like when you asked me what is the first thing you thought about with Juggalos and Juggalettes and the whole thing, man, was just like, dude, family, community. That's it. That's all that matters. I was in Deep Ellum and there's a little small record store and I found this ICP live record and the cover of the CD is the, the clowns like sitting in a bathtub and it's like an aerial shot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Man, no, is it, it was a bootleg? I've never heard of that. I remember it was like out of my price range at the time, but I totally would have gotten it. And that's part of it too, is like those little pieces of merchandise that they make. Like if that's your shit, they got the merchandise for you. You know, it's like space balls, man. Like they got it. Like whatever you want, like you want to represent in whatever way, bandanas, headbands, they'll put it on anything. I mean, they are millionaires because of it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spittin' the Real Shit, uh, the only weekly movie podcast made exclusively by, for, and about the online Facebook group, The Real Shit. And you are catching us on a very special day, because this is our 51st episode ever. And this week, we are discussing the year 2000 straight-to-video exploitation parody movie, Big Money Hustlers, starring the Insane Clown Posse, Twisted, Harlan Williams, and the Jerky Boys. My name is Charlie Thompson. Founder, administrator, and bracket master of the real shit. Uh, but unlike always, my co-host and fellow administrator, the midnight movie maniac himself, Ryland Johnson, is not here at this moment. Because this is kind of a special episode we've got for you. This week, we booked real shit member and owner of the popular juggalo website, fagolovers.net, Scott Donahue, on the show. Uh, Ryland and I were planning on doing our usual format, the game and the news and all that. Uh, but after talking with Scott and the great conversation we had that ended up taking about three hours, I thought we captured something kind of compelling, to be honest. Uh, something I haven't really heard from other content creators when the talk of ICP and Juggalos is tackled. And so here are the high spots from that talk. Uh, so if this isn't your thing, I completely understand. And we got a whole month of horror right around the corner for you guys. Uh, but if you got some time, keep listening. If not, no big deal. Uh, so to all my listeners, I say thank you. And to all the juggalos out there listening, I got two words for you. Whoop, whoop. Baba Booey. Hey, how you, cock? What the hell you doing out there, you dopey fuck you? Come in here. I know we've already done an hour. No worries, uh, man. I wanted to have you on uh, just because um, I'm doing this podcast and, and this thing is something that I love. And I met you through this vein. And, and just to see you and, and to see your success in the Juggalo world and just your notoriety. And it, it's just so cool, like just knowing that karma pays dividends. It's just so neat to see that 20 years ago, we were just a couple of kids waiting outside of a venue. 
Right. Yep. And I'm so glad you're taking this time with me. And we're talking movies, man. We just did our 50th episode, me and Rylan did. Oh, wow. Luckily, I already had the real shit, which I, I made you part of a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, I know every single time Superbad is on the docket for the brackets, you always show out, my man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. Mad love, <laughs> mad love, dude. And so with the strength of that and the brackets and stuff like that, I felt confident enough to bring it to a podcast. News and nostalgia and member berries like a motherfucker, you know? <laughs> yep. We've tackled different subjects. We've done anime. We've done Monty Python. Uh, we just did Roadhouse last week. For oh, our shit. Okay. I love being able to tackle different avenues. And this is obviously a movie that I cherish. And I wanted to put some legitimacy on this movie. And I wanted to have you on because when Juggalos hear that there's a Juggalo podcast, there's always that. Is it one of those where people are just shitting on Juggalos? Or is it one of those good ones where they're just kind of reveling? We've known each other for so long. This is a movie. It's a great excuse to talk to you again. I mean, me and Scott, we know each other for coming on 20 years. 20 years, yeah. But I remember. I mean, I remember... Being in the scene in the late 90s, not in the scene, but, you know, just just knowing I hate saying scene because, people, you know, right. people for whatever reason get offended by that word. But I mean, it really that's kind of what it is. Right. It, I kind of liken it. I mean, the whole thing, just imagine the whole thing is kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. But by the time they get really popular, they're already at the Avengers phase and so we jump in we already have a couple of albums to to listen to already and then we wait for the new stuff like you just kind of get into that north atlantic current you know okay grab shell dude grab me And you're just in it. If you get there before Jekyll Brothers, you get to see the rise of ICP and, and their, their mass appeal at that point. And then at the same time, you know, Columbine and Woodstock, you know, rock music being cursed by pop culture, they, you know, it starts fading. And, and ICP's mass appeal starts fading with everybody else's mass appeal. But there's still a story to tell. There's still the sixth Joker's card to drop. We stand behind the sixth Joker's card when it comes out on November 5th. And this is what we asked. After you take it home and you listen to it, either you're with us or forget us. Because we stand behind every fucking lyric on that record. Mm -hmm. You know, and so then you start going to these live shows and then it's very sparse, but you start seeing the people who keep coming. And that's what I thought was the beginning of the subculture. The ones that, that decided that it wasn't that stuck cool around. Anymore. Yeah. yeah, the ones that stuck around, the ones that were like, I want to hear what happens. Like, you want to hear it. You want to hear what happens next, what they do after that. And after that, you want to keep supporting them. Scott was there. I was there. Like, we were just standing outside the Bronco Bowl. Like, we want to see the show. You know, like, <laughs> right. you know, you were still trying to make that magic. That, you know, Bronco. The, the, Bronco Bowl, that dates you. Right. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There was a big stage presentation, and they had to set it all up. And I think that in the beginning, we were so supportive, and we and we, we loved being in that sixth era. We would just wait for 45 minutes for them to set up the stage. Oh, absolutely. You know? and, and within that time, you just kind of talk to each other. Like, hey, man, where are you from? You know, I'm from, you know, Louisville. I'm from so-and-so. You know, and you just oh. start talking to each other. You have that time to talk to each other while they're getting the stage ready. And then the, the lights go down. 
the place lights the fuck up and then you just go and it's it's awesome. If I was a Fago at one of our shows, Ooh. I'd fly through the air into an ocean of juggalo. Yes. If I was Andre the Giant, this is how I'd be laughing. If I was Father MC, I'd be like, yeah, what happened? So I guess where we need to start is with you, Scott. You are a person of note in the juggalo culture and it's because you have your website, fagolovers.net. A lot of people think that I actually started Fago Lovers, and it, that's not actually the case. This was back in 90, 99. I had almost graduated high school. You remember all like the GeoCities website, nice. all of those? So there was another free hosting called freeservers.com. I started my own. It's called Scotty Deed at freeservers.com, and it was okay. just all juggalo shit. I would do, uh, you know, like ICP news, Twisted News, all that stuff. And I would just make posts about it and just like, give my commentary and all that shit. In 1999. In 1999, yep. yep. That's what's so fucking dope about the Juggalo subculture. Oh, they have their own stream of communication. It's their yeah, own, like, publication. That's like free broadband dude oh for sure yeah and like i was doing most of this stuff for my my warehouse job at work i would go to college full-time around noon and work till like 8 or 9 p.m so after five or so when everybody went home i, I would stay and and like do what i did and then i had free time so i started you know making a website what the fuck is the internet so anyway, these kids from Detroit that started Fago Lovers, but it wasn't even a .com or a .net or anything back then. Oh, wow. I mean, they knew what they were doing as far as design goes. I'm so artistically inept, but they were like 15 at the time when they started it. They actually reached out to me. They said, hey, we see, we see that you do like daily updates. Do you want to come right on our site? You know, and, and this is back. Like, what kind of traffic do you guys get? You know, <laughs> back in like the late 90s, I was, I was worried about that because like, you know. So anyway, uh, we worked something out. Uh, I joined... Fago Lovers in, I think, early 2001, and eventually just the web thing didn't interest them anymore. And so they kind of got out of it right before Fago Lovers really blew up. And so, and that, and that was just because of, really, because of my consistency in posting, keeping Juggles up to date. 2021, still doing daily posts and interviews and all kinds of stuff. That's so inspiring. Psychopathic Records took notice of us and we actually had a booth at the third gathering of the Juggalos. So we had our own yeah, promo booth cool. where we could sell t-shirts and I brought <laughs> I brought my 17-inch CRT monitor and um, <clears throat> giant beige PC that I had uh, at the time all the way from Dallas. We drove it to Peoria, Illinois just so we could set it up in the booth so people could look at Fago Lovers while wow. they were at the gathering. <laughs> There's some you, great pictures out there, man. <laughs> and I think that's your biggest claim to fame in the Juggalo world is is providing that link for Juggalos. Right. You were the guy with the GoPro in your head during Fago Armageddon's. Like these people that the clowns never really toured to in that part of the country. You know, they get to see that because of you. It's so incredibly dope, you know, that, that you were able to find that avenue and, and create that that stream for, for Juggalos to have. I think that's so fucking cool. Thanks, man. And we streamed the first two to three songs just to give people a glimpse of what the hell they're missing. Streaming and, and your social pr media presence and all that stuff. That's everything right now. Well, I think that the clowns were made on the internet. InsaneClownBossy.com was one of the first dot-coms I ever went to. Right. Same you here. know? I mean, but the internet also kind of ruined them because it ruined the mystique of the clown thing. Yeah. You know, back in the day in interviews, Jay would always say, you know, we don't ever sell t-shirts with our faces on them because we want that to be part of the mystique. Obviously, that's all gone out the window. <laughs> right. But uh, I mean, that, that used to be true. You never would find a, a t shirt with ICP themselves on it. You'd just see like oh, Joe's no. cards and stuff like that. But symbolism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the symbology there? Symbology? Ron, I'm sure the word you were looking for was symbolism. What is the 
in the business. Uh, let me explain it to you. So, uh, Ryland, did you jam any of those records I recommended to you? You know, I've gotten some in. Yeah. Things you've sent me, I've all listened to. I love that I'm an absolute fucking virgin. <laughs> I gotta know. I gotta know a little bit about your background too, man. Cherry is popped with the Juggalos with everything. Um, I'm not an idiot. I've known of them. I mean, sure. I'm, I'm I'm 83 baby, so like you know. I mean, I mean, come on, you were 16 in 1999. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I've watched a lot of YouTube shit and like love their shit. It's just it's community, it's family. I love it, but at the same time, I'm literally a virgin. So you got to start somewhere. Poppy cherry, nice. Okay. I sent him a message saying, "Okay, start with the Great Malenko and go to the Amazing Jekyll Brothers. Like those are their most appealing records." Yeah, I'd say that's true as far as mass appeal. Sure. These are the ones I like. I like, obviously, Hocus Pocus, My Axe, Cemetery Girls, Bang Pow. Is it Bang Pow? Yeah. Boom. That's kind of all over the place. So, so yeah. bravo, dude. This is based on, like I said, what I got from YouTube and this. I mean, I watched Joe Knows once and was like, ha ha. Oh, you yeah, know? I was on there. Yeah. Oh, were you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you went to the Juggalo March or the Gathering? The Gathering. I must yeah, have, okay. I probably watched his March too, but I, I love Joe. He's stupid and fun, and everybody was having fun with him. And Juggalo March. Please subscribe to Joe Goes and any women who see him on the street. Suck this man's little buttery c for me, my brother, motherfucking Joe Goes. I mean, I looked at obviously a lot of Juggalo stuff on on YouTube. It, I mean, the combined views of, of course, it's all these youtube interview celebrities that want to get on and, and it's obviously fun right yeah it's just look it's, at me look at me yeah. it is interactive it's it is a circus i mean you're talking about it as far as the juggalo like the juggalo youtube spectrum or what i just put in juggalo i respect everything you guys do and i hope i don't say anything that's disrespectful but if i do please correct me it's not that serious <laughs> like if i say some dumb shit y'all correct me because you should because there are definitely two different streams of communication in the juggalo world there's the outsider stream and then there's the the juggalo stream you know like i'm such a fan but i don't want to come off as a geeky weird like outsider fan <laughs> there, there are so many misconceptions about juggalos man that that it's it really takes either going to a show or a gathering to really understand it going to a gathering is on my bucket list well you better hurry man because joe is not doing well i caught a lot of this information just recently so i'm like yeah. I, I don't know if we should touch on that insane clown posse made a heartfelt announcement on stage at this year's gathering of the juggalos revealing violent jay has been suffering from heart failure as a result icp will embark on a farewell tour next year though the duo plan to continue playing one-off shows Though Violent J didn't reveal the cause of his heart issues, he described his struggle in detail in front of a crowd of juggalos. But, yeah, I'm so into it. I think it's fucking cool as shit, but at the same time, I don't want to be that fucking dweeb that's coming from outside going, oh, this is fun and cool, you know? I can give you several examples, but one, there's a guy that, his name's Nathan Tape. He's from New Orleans. He's a, a film producer, and he's actually making a movie uh, and it's not a low budget. Like we're talking a six figure budget where juggalos are the characters in the movie. He and I have been talking back and forth for maybe two years now. 
he sent me the original script and he said, Hey, I, I would just like to get your opinion on this. And my time is so fucking limited, but I was like, you know what? Let me, let me check this out. Cause I don't want this guy to look like an asshole and I don't want him to make us look like assholes in this movie. Right. right? So it's kind of the same thing that I did for family, which I don't know if you've had a chance to watch on a little bit lesser scale. You're checked out. I am not checked out. I'm having a really tough week. I've got a kid trying to be a juggalo. You don't belong around children. You belong in an airport wine bar. I just want to help. I don't want your money, Kate. I want a sister. Sometimes I get upset <laughs> because everyone else is so normal. Maddie, nobody is normal. I read through the script and it's a really like brutal, raw, suspenseful and funny uh, script. I gave him a whole bunch of notes that, hey, we would never do this or say this, you know, as a whole. Try okay. something like this, right? Do you like the Juggalo advisor? <laughs> <laughs> there have been so many cool opportunities I've had over the past 20, 25 years. But long story short, he's like, man, you've been so cool. I'd like to uh, come experience a gathering. So he actually came to the gathering this year. And to... To say that his mind was blown is a huge understatement. He's like, man, I am just so in awe of how awesome this all is. He said, yeah. I said, he's making some significant changes to his script just because of what he experienced. And he wants to add some stuff and kind of change the theme of some of the characters, you know, how they act and how they're portrayed. So that's really all it takes. I mean, he spent a week with us, you know, and, and his mind was just was blown. I just got my first car. It was a super shitty 89 Pontiac Sunbird. I bought it for $1,000. I probably put 2000 into my stereo. So, <laughs> so I had like two two Blaupunk 12s in the back with like a, a thousand watt amp. And Anything 90s, 80s Pontiac is garbage. Yes. You're like, wait, the engine's running, but everything around me is not working. The doors, <laughs> the windows, the the stereo how did you survive i worked in arlington at the time i would drive from bedford to arlington and just listen to that i just remember it being like around winter time and it would be dark whenever i was coming home from work and just listening to cemetery girl and that whole riddle box album is just such a classic to me it'll forever be my favorite icp album i love the the one two of old evil eye oh yeah and 12 like oh my god those songs yeah 12 is one of those ones that just meant that will give you the creeps if you're you know just listening to do it alone and yes. that's chanting song man it's just so, they're so eerie <laughs> man guys this is 30 years like I tried to facilitate the best I could, and it's intimidating as fuck, to be honest. Well, don't be, and man. I'm a, like, we love but, talking about this shit, dude. Bro. We could talk forever. A guy in high school who was, you know, not even had no idea what this world was. 20 years later, I'm going, dude, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> and, 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 dude, you love brand new, man. This October, they're coming out with a brand new LP. I, I listened to, like, 50 songs, and I found I, my favorite five. I'm not going to sit there and boast and go, this is my jam. It's not my jam, but I can respect the fuck out of it. And I can respect the people that are behind it. I saw the politics of 2017 with the, the March. And I'm like, what happened? Like, I mean, I'm not a politics guy at all, but 
for y'all to stand up for yourselves and to go through that and to come out on top is fucking amazing. In 2011, the FBI designated Juggalos a gang. It might not sound like much, but Juggalos, the name given to fans of the hip-hop horrorcore band Insane Clown Posse, say it's led to discrimination from police and employers. On Saturday, more than a thousand Juggalos marched in DC to protest the FBI ruling. Today is the four-year anniversary of that day. Four years ago, huh? I was in D.C. four years ago. I actually spoke right there looking at the Washington Monument. Uh, wow. They personally asked me to speak on behalf of Juggalos. And, man, I'm, I am not a public speaker. You know, I've done several interviews. I hate it. People say that I'm decent at it, but speech was always my most terrifying subject. <laughs> I'd go, I have to go give a speech or whatever in school. And I just kind of fell into doing interviews by necessity. I mean, the, the fact that the gathering before... The march. So it was the 2016 gathering during the ICP seminar when Jay said, "People standing up and testifying about what Juggalos truly are. All right, people like fucking Scotty D." And he looked over at me, and I'm like, "Oh my god, he hadn't talked to me before this." <laughs> you know, is that right? It never did. <laughs> it's a watershed moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, dude. That's one thing I've always loved about those guys. They love their fans. The fans love them. It's symbiotic, man. It's so fucking cool. You know, as a kid, you know, thinking what cool was, you know, like Michael Jordan's cool. Eddie Van Halen is cool. James Dean is cool, you know? And, but then I heard ICP and I was like, that's fucking cool. That's like the dopest shit I've ever seen in my life. Pissing people off, not really caring, you know, and just saying what they want to say and doing it with a freaking clown face on. So yep. it's even more funny. Everything they've provided as far as entertainment for me, top notch. But I will say I did drop off from 2007 to 2012. Uh, you hit that Tempest era and you were like, I'm, I'm done. Okay, it was, the, it was the hat trick of, you know, they came out with Boondocks, which I didn't like came out with The Calm, which I really didn't like. Mm. But, you know, in retrospect, great record. And then Tempest came out, and the first time I heard The Tempest, I didn't like it. Me neither. I come beat down the block and I crack the bedrock. Dishes drop and shit comes to a... Hey, stop! Motherfuckers think Godzilla's coming. The lights go dark! The whole house humming. As an outsider, is this like a drop in the novel? Like, is this... <laughs> am, am I guessing... Scott, am I am I wrong? You're you're. I mean, so so. There's a term that I've heard. I started you know, getting into the whole Juggalo subculture. Is uh, somebody dropped their hatchet, right? So like they're hanging up their hatchet or whatever. That just means you know they're 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 done with the whole Juggalo yeah. scene. They're out. They're out of the current. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess uh, at that point, Charlie dropped his hatchet. Man, I I just moved in with my girlfriend who would become my wife. I remember we moved in together, and all my decor was fucking clown shit. <laughs> like, I have this ICP poster or this other ICP poster or this, you know, this T-shirt I can put on the wall that has ICP on it. And so it was a lot of ICP, and I, I love her to death for being able to put up with it mm -hmm. for as long as she did. But I knew that if I just kept going, it was just going to be bad, and I loved her to death. And, and so uh, it just kind of faded. And I was just like, man, guys, come on. You guys are doing this, and I'm starting this relationship. I'm like, come Man, <laughs> six Joker's <laughs> cards are done, you know, so like right. And and they started with the radio thing. Catch Monoxide and Jamie Madrox, the demented duo, twisted as they bring all their crazy and hilarious antics to you on ashtrays and action figures, streaming live only at psychopathicradio.com. Catch your dead homie, Blaze, each month on his radio show, The Coffin. Tune in and call in live every Tuesday and Thursday night at wfuckoffradio.com.
Radio with balls. I mean, I know they were throwing stuff at the wall like they always do, but it just wasn't sticking for me. And so I missed Bang Pow Boom. I missed the old shit tour. Oh, wow. All of that. But then I heard Death Pop, you know, that first sketch and then that fucking Mike Clark sample at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. It just felt so right you know and i was just like man these guys are back and then i heard bang pow boom and i was like they've still got it man wake the dead up wake the dead get up rest in peace what fuck that jump with the boom rest in pandemonium that's an average just you know music listener it's hard you know you gotta I skipped a lot. <laughs> Why don't you go fucking listen to Matchbox 20, motherfucker? Nah. Oh, just hold me again. You help me, I'm bent. I'm so scared that I'll never get put back together. Keep breaking me in. Before we go any further, I figured we'd kind of go into Big Money Hustlers now. I, I really wanted to get that juggle of shit out. You know how it is, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, usually we have guests on and they join us for the first part and they play a little game with us and shit like that. So it's just kind of, you know, getting to know you, you know, your skin in the game, so to speak. It's been a part of my life, this whole Juggalo thing for years and years and years. I've always listened to it. I've always bumped it. And then whenever this podcast came around, I submitted the idea to Ryland. And I was like, Ryland, I know this guy. I have this movie. I think it'd be a great episode. You know, but it also means that you got to dip into the Juggalo <laughs> a little bit. And yeah. Ryland's more than accepting of that. Mad props to Ryland, man. Yeah, come into it with an open mind, man. And, and you never know what you're going to like about it. I mean, there might be pieces, you know? Right. And so, Enjoy every second of it, guys. Every second. Except so, for that one hour of 46 minutes of, of hustles, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> is Big Money Hustlers, starring Violent J, Shaggy 2 Doe, Jamie Madrox, and the Monoxide Child. The critics agree. Our movie's the sh- Big Money Hustlers, straight to home video and in stores now. The wicked class will never die! This movie's not rated and may be unsuitable for just about anyone. I'm a guy that's like, I can make a better movie than that, come on. <laughs> it's so good, what the fuck are you talking it's about? so anyway, fun. I remember y'all's cash money rustlers like i know y'all made a movie because i saw the motherfuckers in cowboy hats with their fucking face paint i watched two full films and about three hours of fucking content y'all are amazing so did are you telling me that you watched big money rustlers yes (laughs) oh you watched it too that's what i watched first oh okay okay i told charlie i was like man i remember watching a a (laughs) Western, because that was more my realm. So you've seen both movies. I watched Big Money Rustlers like 10 years before I saw Big Money. Oh, okay. So you saw it like right when it came out. Yeah, pretty much. And like, was it a joke? People my age weren't taking it seriously, but I took it seriously. I was like, dude, I'm going to watch this. Oh, God, you can't take that movie seriously. No. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what's the overall consensus on that movie, Scotty? Overwhelmingly, Juggalos enjoy Hustlers more than Rustlers. I am in that camp as well. Me too. Yeah, yes. me too. I think it really falls off around the half hour mark on Rustlers, and it's just a hodgepodge. 
after that. And yeah, it's it just it loses its way after a while. They definitely tried to cram as many cameos into it as possible with with that movie. I mean, it's so funny because we're saying that movie had no direction, but it's like you know, okay, yeah, what well, was Hustle's a masterpiece? No, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> some some movies are just movies. Some yeah. movies are just movies just made to make money. Like that's the point of the movie. You know, tell a story, and then but at the same time, we're looking to get a return on this thing. And I think that that's where their head was at, was like cameos, you know, high spots. You know, they, they booked it kind of like a wrestling show. Right. You know, I mean, it didn't look at, you know, like as cheap as, as Hustles did, but, if, you know, no. we're talking a decade later, too. So I've never actually talked to anybody about Rustlers before. I, I watched it and I was like, this is terrible. You know, this is bad, bad. It came out that gathering in 2010 because uh, okay. that was the, the theme of the entire gathering. So, so like we had our RV at the gathering, you know, at Cave and Rock, and, and we, you know we had the DVD going, and I think we sat down and watched it in its entirety the first time. You know, once the gates opened, we went and grabbed the DVD and watched it and all that stuff. And the foot bitch is hilarious. Again, I think Jamie and Paul steal that movie as well. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I thought the stick was a little bit stomped on. It you was. Know, after a while, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, somebody <laughs> stop this. Mm-hmm. Good day, big baby. What can I do you for today? You know damn well why I'm here, motherfucker. He wants his money, motherfucker. Gosh, big baby, I just bought all these air supplies. I'm a little short this week. I figured I could pay you on Wednesday. Well, I figured you could pay me now and again on Wednesday. Give him his motherfucking money, you platypus-looking motherfucker! But for some reason with Hustlers, I did not get that at all. I was I so didn't either. Dang. I'm um, doing nothing, so I'll be quiet yeah. for a while. I watched okay. the entire... And holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. You got a little money? You want to make a movie? Man, could you not edit it better? Like, god damn! Like... I- <laughs> <laughs> Ah, dude, I don't even know what to say. That's so funny. I got to a point where I was like looking up and my brother was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching. <laughs> 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 my brother's like 32. I'm 37. And I'm like, I'm, I'm watching ICP, dude. He goes, really? He goes, damn, man. Like they get weird as shit, but like it's good shit. I'm like, have you watched their movies? He goes, they made movies? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's so funny because it's a sacred cow. It is so... I mean, like, like, did any of it make you laugh, like, at all? I was laughing my ass off because of how bad it was. Where are they aiming? Strictly for Juggalos, <laughs> man. That's so funny. I loved it, but at the same time, it was so wacky and weird and terrible that I'm like, wait. I'm going to make everything right. I promise. I, I'm going to get you all your money. Well, then what you need to do right about now is raise the fuck up out of here. And don't come back without my motherfucking money. And, uh, tell daddy I said hi. Big Money Hustlers, it's a movie made for just spotlighting psychopathic records, basically. Mm-hmm. This isn't a foreign concept. Master P did it with I Got the Hookup, um, like Belly, DMX, Nas. I mean, they all have their little rapper movies. Are we talking Master P with two E's? <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah. This motherfucker bootlegs everything from Adidas shirts, motherfucking Master P hats. Yeah, he got all types of shit. But we really looking forward to his new liner. Poo! Boo! Coming out next month. 
right by Mills Mall. It opened in seventh grade, 1997. The mm-hmm. first CD I bought out of fucking Virgin Records. Master P. Uh, na 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 na. Was like, I'm a I'm a white kid in Grapevine spending 16.99 for Master P. Absolutely. Like, I, I did, did the same it. thing, man. I did it, and I'm like, dude, I have no street rep whatsoever. <laughs> but that's something, right? That adds that adds up. I, ice cream man. When I say ice cream man, nobody's like, you ain't old enough, motherfucker. Ice cream man. I knew you had something in you, Ryland. I knew you had something. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in Grapevine. I, I grew up a nice little sheltered fucking life. But right. I'd tear that shit up. I, shit, man. I've still got my whole CD collection, so I, I'm staring at that Master P album right now. It's so funny. I was always wondering what kind of music you listened to before Juggalo music. So, you know, Master P, well, that was like, like 97, right? Mm-hmm. I already knew of Ice. Like, I knew Riddlebox already. I, was, I heard Riddlebox in 96. Right. They were still a big mixture of music. Like I was heavy into like the alternative scene, you know, the, you know, the Nirvana, everything okay. that you hear on Lithium on Sirius XM right now. Um, <laughs> exactly. I had young parents. I was fucking, my dad was 21 when he had me. So I was in a lot of Dave Matthews band. But at the same time, in seventh grade, I was like, who's Master P and why is uh, na, 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 a thing? <laughs> right. Hot Boys and 504 Boys. I love, love those guys. The Hot Boys, the Hot Boys. We on fire. <laughs> yes, Ryland. That's awesome. That's where we're coming from. One of my best friends growing up, he had the, the Warren G. Regulate album. So I grew up on that a lot. And then he had this two short single with cocktails on it. And I thought we were doing some of the most heinous stuff just by listening to that. <laughs> so, you know, he had an 88 Chevy S10 with one Optimus, which is the Radio Shack brand, eight inch subwoofer in the back. And we would go around just bumping the shit out of that. <laughs> now, I was I was always into the more the comedy tip. Like, I love like Adam Sandler records. Oh, shit. They're oh, all going to uh, laugh at you. It's a classic. Yeah. Like, uh, President of the United States of America. Those guys. I always loved the tongue-in-cheek nature of the music. Like, the fact that you could do that. You know, I was always attracted to that. I guess I heard Cotton Candy was the first. Oh, no kidding. ICP song love, I ever yeah. heard. You know, it was raunchy. You know, it was just so adult. And I always still maintain that ICP is like, it's one of those puberty bands. You know, it's like it's like where you went to go find out like what a moose knuckle was or whatever. <laughs> like you know, it was like a like a rite of passage almost. Heard cotton candy, and I was like, that's funny. But then one day my brother and me were at the pool supply store, Leslie's Pool Supplies uh, on Hewlin and uh, Fort Worth. Okay. And shout out, Leslie's. Like, Leslie's Pool Supplies, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> my dad cursed that place for 20 years. Really? Every Dude, if you have a pool, everything costs a hundred damn dollars. This, that, that. <laughs> it's true, because I have a pool. <laughs> I guess the guy was out to lunch or something. We were waiting for him to come back from lunch. We were sitting in the car, and he had popped in the great Malenko. And he played track seven, Halls of Illusion. And my mind was fucking blown. I was like, what is this music? 
Like it's all over me right now. It's so real and it's so raw while still being very entertaining and funny. You know, at the same time. And then he just kind of let it roll and it went to the next track and the next track. So we got done with the pool supply store. We, we, we were heading back home and I started listening to the beginning of the record. And so, we, you know, we got through the sketch, you know, the, the Great Malenko, that great sample on Great Malenko. You know, Hocus Pocus, all that. I was just so up this album's ass. I was really young. I couldn't just listen to it whenever I wanted to. There wasn't easy access to headphones. You know, so I had to wait until everybody went to sleep. And I popped in uh, my headphones and I put it on my stereo. And I heard the last three tracks. Yeah. And, and I remember I listened to Pass Me By in the darkness of my room. And I, I got it. I understood everything that they were saying. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I got from ICP was like, either you get it or you just don't. Yep. You know, either it sounds like noise or you completely laser focus in on it. Yeah. Fuck off. What? Fuck off. What the fuck is that? What does that mean? It means fuck off. Man, you fucking lost it. Yeah. So what was the first track you heard that made you go, I want to hear more of that? Well, just to give you a little about how I actually got into them. So they actually hit up Trinity. They hit up the high school that I was not at yet, but my best friend at the time's older brother was there. So he actually got that chicken hunting sampler. When they were just like steady, just slanging free tapes. Like yeah, everywhere. so uh, if Ryland didn't know, basically they were trying to break out outside of the you know the Midwest and Detroit. So the story goes is they threw a dart at a, at a map of the United States and it landed in Dallas. The, the dart landed on Dallas. So they had their um, their vans wrapped in uh, Riddle Box, which is the album they were promoting at the time, and uh, drove down to Dallas and started just slinging just thousands and thousands of sampler tapes. 93, right? No, this is like 95, maybe in the early 96. And so, and so, you're, so you're saying that Bylon J himself was out there in the court. I don't, not, I mean, I wasn't there, you know, because I, I think I was still in junior high. Either way, Riddlebox came out in 95. Uh, so I don't know exactly when, you know, when that happened. But I know that my best friend at the time was given a tape by his older brother. And I heard Chicken Hunting. Like, oh, man, this, this is pretty cool. Fast forward, though, and I was in uh, class and another friend of mine busted out this orange cassette tape. I'm like, what's that? And it's like, oh, it's, uh, it's Insane Clown Posse. And so I actually took it home, made a dub of it, and I still have that tape somewhere. Nice. Uh, and man, I listened to that thing nonstop for months. And then when Malenko came out, I got that right away, and then I just got went and got their whole entire back catalog, and you know, and then well, you were just sold. Like, like yeah, I'm in. Got Malenko, and then like I said, I went just went to Best Buy like every week, seeing if there was anything <laughs> else that I didn't have already. Exactly. You know? so. No, yeah, I, I was the exact same way. I was always on the hunt. Like I would just listen to them, you know, do the records over and over again with Big Money Hustlers and everything really that they put out. It, it's kind of under these umbrellas of eras which are called Joker's cards. And so anything that happens during one Joker's card, like say they they release a Joker's card and they put out like two EPs, a couple of singles, a couple of music videos, right? And and that would all be under the Malenko era, you know? And and so then when the next Joker's card is dropped, their logo changes, you know, everything changes. 
you can kind of spot where they're at in their careers because of the eras. Like you see him, oh, that's the Riddle Box era because he was wearing the toboggan. So with Big Money Hustlers, we're talking about the amazing Jekyll Brothers era, which is probably, I want to say, their most popular time ever like in in their careers like as far as i guess mass appeal and exposure witness my friend witness the light of the amazing Jekyll brothers 99 was their year after that in 2000 bizarre bizarre came out i would say their peak late 97 early 98 to probably 2000 2001 would be like when they were their biggest that's yeah that's exactly the years i went to high school so yeah. <laughs> that's funny icp has that tendency to take up a lot of your time if you want to be a fan mm-hmm. yeah. i've lost friendships over it man <laughs> right you know i've lost promotions at work yeah. i've lost out on a couple pieces of action <laughs> the love is there and it's real you just can't not represent dude Oh, my wife, she, she saw me watching it last night before she went to bed, and she had seen it before, but I was dying. Like, I was crying. I watched it for the first time in 10, 12 years, probably. Oh, it's been that long? Yeah. A lot of times at the gathering, we'll mm-hmm. have just DVDs playing in the background, so the, the last time I probably actually sat down and watched it, probably been less than five years ago, but it's in regular rotation, just kind of in the background noise of the gatherings and stuff, so. I mean, I have it committed to memory, by the oh, way. Oh, for sure. Motherfucker! I done told you, you ain't got shit on me. Shit that is except for, uh, my motherfucking money. (laughs) I kind of wanted to give just a kind of all around the world overview for kind of the most popular part of their careers. Because we could do hours on their career. Local, you know, rap duo from Detroit, they gained notoriety, they gained their own fan base in Detroit and in the Midwest. They got signed to a major record label with Jive Records, uh, Riddlebox, was their record that they really promoted on Jive Records. Eventually, they became picked up by Hollywood Records. Uh, but unbeknownst to, to really the public, Hollywood Records is a subsidiary of the Disney Corporation. They signed ICP, they made this record, The Great Malenko, and they released it. But then I want to say within hours, right, Scotty? Yeah, it was definitely a release date. The Disney subsidiary Hollywood Records recalled the new Insane Clown Posse album, The Great Malenko, last Tuesday, the same day the company had put the record on sale. Some retailers have not sent it back. Major chains such as Tower, Coconuts, and Record Town have complied with the recall, but others, such as Harmony House, are selling the album, which Disney says it discovered at the last moment contained rantings potentially offensive to women. Insane Clown Posse is popular on its home turf of Detroit, and for Harmony House, based in Troy, Michigan, the album was its biggest seller last week, moving nearly 2,000 copies through the chain's 36 stores. The group's manager says he's in Los Angeles talking to, quote, every major label about a new record deal. And this is all during the same time as the, the whole Southern Baptist protest at uh, Disney World. And then, you know, <laughs> the great Malenko comes out. I mean, I heard Cotton Candy back in the day, but this is my first real notice of people being like, those guys are bad. Those guys are you can't hear that. And of course, and of course, it's forbidden fruit, you know, and so the popularity just skyrocketed. Everybody wanted to hear what was so wrong about this record, eventually Island Records swooped in to kind of save this record and get it re-released after Hollywood Records basically just dropped them. They didn't drop them, though. They wanted to shelve the record. Uh, Island 
came in and paid off their contract and then also paid ICP a million dollars and then put their record out with uh, the three extra songs that were cut from the Hollywood release. Leor Cohen, the president of Iowa. Whoa. I'm at a business meeting with him. I'm looking at him, I'm smiling. <laughs> I jumped up the stairs, but he kicked my ass. Ah. 17th floor, they threw me out through the glass. Help me! Help me. Fucking help me! But didn't they get a million from Hollywood Records? That's what I'm saying. So, so they they bought out the Hollywood. <laughs> so yeah, they I mean, got... like they definitely double dipped. Yeah, one of the best things that ever happened to them was Hollywood shelving that album. And the publicity that it caused. Yeah. And so then they got signed to Island Records. It was a multi-record deal. Plus, they were able to buy some time on MTV, like airtime, like literal airtime, was an auction that they won. And they decided to use that hour of MTV airtime to air this documentary called Shockumentary. The last Joker cards will come when the time is right. When the moon lines up with Pluto and Venus lines up with Saturn and they all line up with Uranus. Then it will be the time for the fifth Joker's card and the sixth and beyond. So don't ask questions till they get there because they least expect it and you're having brunch with your mother-in-law. There'll be a knock at the door. You'll open up, pull your panties out of your ass and it'll be the fifth Joker's card smacking you in your face, wicked clown style. And this was the movie that really sealed the deal with me and the insane clown posse. Everything that they were talking about in the movie, I was like, dope as fuck, dope as fuck, dope as fuck. How they came up, the inner city posse thing, you know, and then you get to the live shows and the Fago showers. The crowd started throwing Fago. Next day I looked, the club owner was swinging off the balcony with a two liter Fago. My manager was jumping up and down on a three liter. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. It was pure pandemonium. And I'll tell you why people love it, because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, back in the day, you know, it was a very low budget show. But it would draw a huge crowd. And uh, so, man, I don't know. You, you, do you remember these, uh, like Hatchet Rising and Wicked Wonka tour? Oh, their God. sets and everything. Shit, man. I, I don't know if uh, those are low budget. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, yeah. Everything that I'm hearing, I'm like, I want to be part of this. Yeah. Seeing the tattoos. It seems like there's a kind of like a one-upsmanship in Juggalo culture where like a Juggalo flex, you know, almost. And I remember feeling that when I watched documentary. I was like, I want that poster. I want that T-shirt. That would look great. That's the shit. That's the shit right there. With Island picking them up, they had a multi-record deal. Their next record was the amazing Jekyll Brothers. And if you know anything about the clowns and their whole story, they promised us six LPs. They're like concept albums. Great Malenko was the fourth, and Amazing Jekyll Brothers was the fifth. Five cards came and made they mark for Moon Uganda to Betty Park. Fuck the drum kit, xylophone cello. I'm a wicked clown, bitch, hello. And just to give you some kind of concept of how long they've been around, this October, they're about to release the fifth card of the second deck. So that's how long they've been working. With Amazing Jekyll Brothers, they had a whole new level of success. Like, their their record shot to number four on the Billboard charts in the first week. The officially official top 200, you know. Number four out of nowhere. The insane clown posse. Like, who the fuck are these guys, <laughs> you know? On top of that, they had uh, started working on TNT, doing WCW wrestling. More exposure there. <laughs> Who's got the stroke to give ICP as unbelievable as it may sound? A world title shot here, but that's what's going on. We're off and running in this deal. Bring back. And both Hubertude and Ray collide. ICP doesn't have the experience advantage or the skill advantage. All they have is a size yeah. advantage. But Ray and Hoobie are so quick. I mean, their, their popularity was at an all-time high. And then the same year, 
They also performed at the infamous 99 Woodstock. The porta potties, it didn't take long for them to become pretty much unusable. They were backing up pretty quickly, and then the sewage was seeping out to the point where you had kids within the first 24 hours rolling around in what they thought was mud, but was really human waste. They were invited. You know, it was a different measuring stick as far as musical booking decisions from the MTV way. They could choose whoever they wanted to to book for Woodstock. So quick fun fact, my first show was supposed to be that Amazing Jekyll Brothers tour in Dallas. That show got canceled because they got invited to Woodstock. (laughs) So Really? Yeah, that was supposed to be my first clown show. Yeah. So my first one official one was uh, Wicked Clowns from Outer Space later that year. And so within this time, Island gave them a quarter of a million dollars to make this movie that they had an idea for after watching this exploitation film. Big Baller Records and Films presents the most anticipated and controversial independent street film of the year. Big Ballers. On video and DVD. It's Miami's underworld like you've never seen before. Featuring true-to-life ballers. Also the hottest soundtrack of 1998. Big Ballers, available on CD and cassette. They used up all their island money, and then Psychopathic put in 100000 of their own money because they went over budget, believe it or not, Ryland. Fucking with my plan! Fucking with my scheme. His motherfucking scheme. Fucking with my. My tactics. Yo, tactics. And most of all, he's fucking with my money. And we don't play that bullshit. They wanted to call it Big Money Hustlers. It's the brainchild of, of course, the members of the Insane Clown Posse, Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope. Two other guys uh, who were very closely knit into the Juggalo culture. It's a duo called Twisted, made up of Jamie Madrox and the Monoxide Child, as he was known back then. And the four of these guys, they just thought it'd be so funny to make this little black exploitation parody movie. They're just so over the top and so filled with like Juggalo lore. They had this huge, crazy uh, idea. And then I think Violent J wrote it and like that. Well, he definitely takes credit for the entire concept and storyboarding and all that stuff in the commentary. But then he says that all of Jay and then Twisted's lines were complete improvisation. Obviously, they had to write Shaggy's because all of his lines rhymed. (laughs) So you didn't like the rhyming, Ryland? It was prevalent from the beginning. <laughs> You're like, I get it. This guy rhymes. Look here, man. I see you got the gold and all them rings. I spill it, man. Where you getting all them things? Being a noob, so right. Twisted is way later in the game, correct? No, not way later. They came on to Psychopathic in 98. I mean, so they were there right when ICP was blowing. Were they kind of coming out together? Did they play off ICP? It's so hard to explain sometimes. Yeah. It's a record label, obviously. So they brother-sister record kind of things. They were kind of hitting off at the same time. Or did Twisted like totally piggyback off ICP? Do you want to take okay. this one? Explain a little bit of hip-hop. Uh, you know, Bone Thugs and Harmony? Okay, do you know whose label Bone Thugs and Harmony was on? No. Easy E. And and so it's like when you think Bone Thugs, you kind of think of Easy E. It's somebody kind of putting you on. Somebody saying, "Hey, I think this is dope." And so your fan base that already thinks that you are dope, so I'll listen to this guy because this guy I think is dope thinks this guy's dope. It's just hip hop, you know. That's just the way it works. Look at my boy. My boy over here doing shit. As thuggish, ruggish Bone rose up the charts. 
Easy E signed Bone Thugs to a long-term deal. But they did it in a totally juggalo way. They were trying to put them on in every avenue they could, every interview they went on. They brought him on Howard Stern and just like basically just right there beside ICP, who was you know, blowing up like crazy, you know, platinum selling at that point almost, right. you know. They insisted that Twisted be there or they would wear Twisted jerseys. If we're going to get our come up, they're going to get it too, you know. But they don't know yeah. when this wave is going to happen again. So let's right. fucking ride this motherfucker, you know. They're not totally piggybacking at all. Like, yeah, let me give you a little bit more background. So Twisted started as a group called House of Crazies. They started in Detroit. I think their first release was like 93, if I remember right. House of Crazies went on tour with ICP. I think it was the either Malenko or, or Juggalo Fun. I, I think they, it was Malenko. Did they have the same like makeup? The, no. the whole thing back when they were house of crazies they would wear like pumpkin mask not like full head pumpkin mask but like almost like jason Voorhees mask with but they had a pumpkin design yeah it's like mike myers rapping it's fucking dope right. yeah icp saw their talent and twisted uh, you know jamie and paul sent a demo in um what was it like four or five tracks that ended up being most tasteless plus like seven or eight more tracks and again this is like basic juggalo stuff right that we're, that we're giving you so yeah i get what you're saying with the very similar act it's a duo. They both have painted faces at some point, uh, but Twisted paints a very much darker picture. Through interviews, they're very charismatic. They're on point with marketing and like being a character. Damn. I don't know which one I liked better, but one of them was very charismatic on interviews. <laughs> so I was like, I get why they're popular at a gathering for sure. They seem very outgoing and very, you know, about the thing. And I think it's not understated how great Twisted is in this film. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, there's no doubt they sold the show. As far as exposure goes, they have most tasteless and they were in a lot of the interviews, you know, in the very beginning. But they were very just uh, stoic and didn't say a word. Right. So you just kind of saw their faces. The eyes were blacked out sometimes, you know. Um, and so this was a great way to see Twisted's comedic side, which is so funny. I've always thought they were just a couple of the funniest dudes on the label. Oh, for sure, yeah. Them as big stankin' little poop, they they killed it. it beyond expectation, if anybody was a first-time viewer, they would find a stankin' poop funny at least. Now give me that motherfucking tape! I was just seeing if it was my cartoons, man! Take it! Uh -huh. ah. Always grab me shit. I believe John Caffiero was the guy who, would, who submitted the idea to direct, right? He was ultimately the director, yeah. I don't remember exactly how but, they chose him, but yeah. But he's never used again in Juggalo Productions. No, there was a whole lawsuit over it. I mean, this movie was done filming 
probably a year, at least a year before it came out. And then they had to go to court over it because John Cafiero said that he wasn't getting enough money. Shit. I mean, they made it public. They like, they talked about it. I'm not like breaking any uh, news here, but let's just get into the movie guys. So it starts out, we open on a church chapel and full congregation. The service is about to start and you see Shaggy who's playing a character named Sugar Bear. And Sugar Bear is kind of giving us an overview, a vague description of what he's been going through. And we cut to the preacher who is played by Jump Steady. Jump Steady is a huge name in the juggalo culture. First of all, he's Fallon Jay's brother. He's kind of like a brain trust for the whole juggalo thing. So he's a huge idea machine and he's a great worker for the company. And he's also plays the preacher. Now is not the time for short arms and deep pockets, brothers and sisters. For if you just give a little of what you have, that is what you're going to get from God. You know, it kind of harkens back to that Hallelujah track on Malenko with this scene where everybody's just giving up their money for the church. We cut to Violin Jay's star in the movie. He's talking to somebody about getting his money. You got my money, <laughs> motherfucker. We kind of get a, an overview of the characters, Big Baby Sweets, and also his two little sidekicks, Big Stank and Little Poot. <laughs> Both these motherfuckers came from the weakest, richest suburbs. Neither one could hurt a flea with a shotgun, but somehow, some way, something went wrong, and they became ghetto hard street thugs. Just by these names alone, I mean, along with Sugar Bear, I mean, you can tell we're just having a little fun juvenile ride here with this movie. You find out that Violent J's character is this kingpin in New York City. Any way there is to make money, Big Baby Sweets does it, and that's how he makes his money. And then we cut to the police force of New York City, and we get to the chief. Uh, he's played by Johnny Brennan, who is one half of the Jerky Boys. If you remember the Jerky Boys from back in the 90s, they actually did a spot on the Amazing Jekyll Brothers record. I don't understand what you're talking about. Oh, God. Do you book them or no? Yes, I am the booking agent for the Insane Clown Pond. But that's who you are. And I just so happen to be a poor fool that was standing in the front row when one of them jumped on me. Knocked me down and obliviously stuck his fingers in my ass. I don't need this. Why do you let this go on? Why are you calling me about this? Johnny Brennan, he's just so funny. He has that deep Jersey accent. And he's, he's like really looking at his ass in the mirror. He's just loving his ass. Fucking ass. <laughs> Look at that fucking ass. <laughs> and so then you find out that there's a new cop on the force. And it's Sugar Bear from the first scene. You find out that every time Sugar Bear talks, he rhymes everything. And every time somebody says Sugar Bear's name, there's like a little <laughs> guitar riff. <laughs> the name is Sugar Bear. And I'm sweet and fuzzy like a pear. That I kind of take as, you know, when you're watching Family Guy and they just run a joke into the ground. It's funny at first, and then it's not funny, and then it starts getting funny again. That's yeah. kind of the way that I view the whole rhyme scheme. So Sugar Bear is asking if there's one good cop left on the force. And the chief says, matter of fact, there is. And he says his name is... <laughs> and his name is Harry Cox. Please welcome Harlan Williams. Harry Cox is all over this, sir. Harry Cox, 9120505. <laughs> and, and that's such a juggalo thing. 
My gut is happy. It's just more of that juvenile humor. But man, when you heard the name, I remember when I heard the name on the description, I was like, that makes sense. I could see Violent J making that, you know, and and it being funny, you know. Uh, These two team up. So Sugar Bear and Harry Cox, they're chilling at the Donut Hut. Do you like the Donut Hut? With the, I'm the Donut Gentleman from London. I mean, it was there, man. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, Ape Boy springs in. Tries to rob the place. Sugar Bear fools him, gets him with a DDT, and he saves the day. He was one of Big Baby Sweets' henchmen. I started listening to the commentary. They were supposed to dub in another voice over that voice because that's Violent J in the ape suit. I put that in my notes. The ape suit is Violent J. Everybody freezes this motherfucker. I want some shit. I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. I want a motherfucking donut. I want a motherfucking bagel. A motherfucking... Fango, Rupert, Flow, motherfucker, I'll peel your cap. Everybody else, hey, come here, motherfucker. It cost them $35,000 to attempt to dub in a voice over Violent J's. He was just a stand-in because he could take that wrestling bump. Well, Shaggy's going to give somebody a DDT. He said they tried Jamie Madrox, and that didn't work. Jay was the only one that could take that bump. He did all the dialogue, and then... They tried to dub something in over it, and they spent $35,000 trying to do it, and it just didn't work, so they just wasted that money. I'm not going to do this for less than $35,000. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we get to one of my favorite scenes, which is the boardroom scene. We get some of the funniest parts in the movie, in my opinion. There's so many Juggalo Easter eggs, though. Did you like the boardroom scene, uh, Ryland? fucking loved it because it was actually realistic somewhat we just get more and more exposition while this movie is high in like juggalo lore it kind of lacks it on non-exposition scenes it's all just kind of pushing the story forward how big baby makes his money is through his little henchmen and so we get a lot of introductions on this scene you are the city's deadliest motherfuckers the deadliest con artists, players, hustlers, pimps, hoes, suckers. And that's why you're so important because you all deliver me the cheddar. Starting with Green Willie. Uh, Green Willie, which is an old rapper named Misery. And then we get to Hazad, who's played by Alex Abbas. Which, you know, any juggalo worth their salt knows that that is the former CEO of psychopathic records. Like he was the boss boss, you know? Yeah, he was a money man for sure. They had a big falling out back in, I want to say, 07. Then our boy Billy Bill became a CEO of psychopathic. We've only had two major CEOs in their tenure. And Alex Avis was one of them. What's up on my money, motherfucker? Here, please accept this personal check of mine. Man, fuck that, he done told you. No motherfucking checks or money orders, bitch. That's right, bitch. Come correct, son. Cash money, motherfucker. And he was one of those shady, you know, I forget what you call him. He was just like a scammer. Like, he's always trying to, like, scam people, a pyramid scheme kind of guy in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) But they said that it was based on a character. They used to put ground effects on their old Jeep. But he did it to where he knew they were going to break in two weeks. He's like, I see you in two weeks, my friend. Can't you just fix them to where they don't fucking break anymore? (sighs) 
and he goes, no, no, I, I see you in two weeks, my friend. <laughs> so that was the basis of that character. Did you ever see ICP's home movies that they put Patreon? out during the Patreon? I caught the Big Silva video. But after that, I did not. The home movies, Azad actually makes an appearance in those. So the Azad character just carried over into the movie. That, that's that shit that you really pick up on. I loved those little in jokes that those guys have. It's fun to pick up on those, you know? Yeah. And then I guess next is our girl, Fat Titty Kitty. <laughs> Fat Titty Kitty employs 991 hoes. Hoes with no toes. Hoes with afros. Some of these bitches. I'm going to tell you all about them bitches. Keep saying that shit. What is Shut up! Which is just for the juvenile boy in all of us. I'm on the IMDb, and the actress's name is Kayla Cleavage. So she makes no bones with the way your body looks. Right. You'll be surprised what an old man will spend! And on the commentary, they said they had, like, some big biker boyfriend. Uh-huh. That was, like, on set, like, keep her safe. Moving right along, let's holler at Rerun. Hey, hey, hey! And then we finally get to the preacher at the very end of the table. You know, doing his little preacher bit. And then he's talking about this guy named Ape Boy. <laughs> I love Ape Boy. I Me love too. the bit where Ape Boy's name is on his chair. I love that they have the security footage, which is also just the movie. This could taste a whole lot better if you ain't getting wild for your cheddar. Now, who the fuck is this motherfucker fucking with my motherfucking money? It's that motherfucker they call Sugar Bear. Shit off. They, they do the motherfucker bit. I think it's one of the funniest bits they've ever come up with. It was the motherfucker. Man, motherfucker, motherfucker. They just continually say fucking or motherfucking. It's so... Just motherfucker fucking with my motherfucking money. <laughs> <laughs> they've done it a couple times on the records as well. When I sit back, think to myself, I'm motherfucking fucked up. The world has become... It seemed like violence is the only thing us motherfuckers know nowadays. Every time I turn around... Everywhere I look, it's another motherfucker killing another motherfucker. And that's some motherfucking fucked up shit, motherfucker. Murder follows me everywhere I go. Just the other day, somebody shot But it's really prevalent in the Big Money Hustle. Stank and Poots, little parts, you know, they really round out the scene perfectly, in my opinion, playing off of Island J. Because, you, like you said, it was all improvised. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of what you know, they thought was funny at the time. And so then Sugar Bear, you know, he finds his way to a gentleman's club, uh, which, you know, I think that's also part of the Juggalo lore, you know, just them being on the road all the time. But really, the scene is to set up Missy, who is uh, going to be Sugar Bear's girlfriend, who's also an exotic dancer. But the gimmick with Missy is that she's a big girl. That's also a Juggalo thing where they have a song called Fat Sweaty Betty. And it's just this funny song about him wanting to get down with this big girl, you know, guys. For my first time, I like big girls, dude. But I love his game. I love whenever a Sugar Bear's spitting that game. Oh, for sure. All on rhyme scheme, too. <laughs> you got a name to go with them titties? I can and feel so the eye roll coming from wherever Ryland's at. <laughs> no. Of course. My name is Missy. Missy. Mm -hmm. We sit around here bullshitting with all this chit-chat. When we could, uh... Slide out to your pad, and uh, you can let me hit that. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to take offense at all to whatever I watch, but it like trauma almost. You love your own thing, it is what it is. So he hooks up with Missy. It's a huge love scene, it's so incredibly funny and outrageous, but it's so incredibly over the top. Yeah, 
Like, like, how can you be offended by it? Like, it's you can't, like, dude. Like, she's so? stuffing snowballs in her face while she's fucking. Literally, he's smoking cloves, and like the clove ashtray gets bigger. <laughs> bigger bear walks away from the bed, and and you he's just see the back him. of him, and he's fucking like ripped. Come on, that's funny, man. <laughs> that's yes. hilarious. Even if you've never heard of ICP before or knew anything about him, there are some straight up hilarious bits in that movie, in my opinion. There's tons of us. That oh yeah, don't get it, but wanna. Watch a little bit. I watched a little bit and it's fucking great. All I'm saying, Chief, is I hope some sugar bear knows what he's doing because these guys are very, very, very dangerous. Well, maybe if you weren't shitting your pants every two seconds, you pigeon face fuck, you wouldn't be so goddamn scared all the time. And no one knows that. Like, that's the sad part. If, if it's not your bag, just watch it anyways. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Absorb it. Yeah. I, I, thought, I thought every scene was so funny. We get to, you know, the, the next boardroom scene. Calm down. Calm down. Yours great, yours great. Hey, you heck? There's only one thing left to do. Which that, young? What's up? Which that? We must summon the magic ninja. Oh, yeah. oh yeah! And then ninjas come into the lingo. I'm like, am I a ninja? But that... like, you guys call each other ninjas, right? Yep. How do you acquire a ninja? I, I, I guess the ninja thing comes from a song. Called Ninja by the Insane Clown Posse. There's a lot of stuff that just kind of pull from songs. That music you hear whenever the ninjas show up, whenever they poof inside of Big Baby Sweets' office. Even prior to that, they've said in interviews before, people would ask, well, what's this ninja thing about? And, you know, rap from its inception to present day, you know, there's a lot of N-bombs drop, you know? And so that's kind of their answer to, to that. They say, what up, ninja? And, you know, Jump Steady said that his definition of labeling somebody a ninja is, a, is just a dude. Love that aspect of y'all being family going, yeah, we're just going to call each other ninjas. <laughs> the scene where the ninjas, you know, get messy. Like whenever she's walking down the hallway from, from plate to plate. And my wife was like, is that the sound of her walking? Like the Godzilla stomp. And I was like, yeah. She's like. Wow. <laughs> well, the over-the-top Missy kill scene, uh, just watching that again last night for the first time in a few years, uh, I mean, you just, just even even the, the thrusting of the samurai sword, like, right into her head. The, the shadow. Uh, the yeah. shadow. I, I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking priceless. <laughs> just, just smack, smack. <laughs> and you just see the ketchup all over the wall. And <laughs> oh, and the slices of pizza. Yeah. And, and just, just how much, how ridiculous can we make this thing? Right. Hey, 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 man. How'd you ever go if I bust you in your head with this goddamn fago? And so after Missy dies, Sugar Bear, you know, he's he's in this huge slump, and you get into that you get that great cop trope scene 
where he's hit rock bottom, which is my favorite scene in the whole movie, by the way. Okay. You know, uh, Johnny Brennan comes back as the chief to try and motivate him. This guy's just doing mad amounts of just blow and weed and booze. And the vacuum cleaner sound effect every time he does a line. Oh, my God. <laughs> Coming clean about his record. and want no refugees neither, man. It was the Fugees. Stupid. Oh, fuck all that shit. It doesn't matter. What about the Frisco cartel? You took all those fuckers out single-handedly. Yes, I did. But that was only a video game. <laughs> Look, you scrubby son of a bitch. Snap out of it. Uh, so then the chief leaves, and then the ghost of Dolomite shows up. Uh, to give him even more motivation. That's a huge, noteworthy thing. Okay, so Eddie Murphy made this movie a few years ago called My Name is Dolomite, where he plays the character Rudy Ray Moore. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Rudy Ray Moore is in this fucking movie, Fuck. and he's playing Dolomite. So that, that was the last performance of Dolomite by Rudy Ray Moore. Who caught that? <laughs> I'm going to show you how to whoop a motherfucker's ass. First thing you got to do, you got to hypnotize that motherfucker. Use a snake on that son of a bitch. Do like me, Dolomite. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Now watch. I always thought that was super noteworthy. Like, especially when that movie came out, and everybody's like, Rudy Ray Moore, who is this guy? I was like, bitch. Like he played Dolomite and Big Money Hustlers, <laughs> which I thought Rudy Ray Moore was excellent in this film. You, you talk about Twisted Steel in the show. I thought Rudy Ray Moore was a very high point in the film. I'd never seen the guy before, but he was so swagged out and he had so much charisma and he was just saying motherfucker all the time. Uh, then we get to our montage, uh, which is kind of like a Rocky montage. Yeah. He's getting trained up. You know, Dolomite is there with him. He's, you know, every day he's, you know, hustling, getting forward. <laughs> Dolomite keeps getting distracted by the women. Cars while he's jogging. <laughs> like, like anytime I see anybody trying to lift anything, Scott, I'll always say to myself, Darn your soul, if you raise that motherfucker higher, you even may get a donut hole. Can you dig? I still say that shit to this day. That's awesome. After Dolomite leaves, uh, we get to our big final battle in the film. There's a little bit of prep work he has to do, and he meets Dr. Is it Dingleberry? Dinglenut or Dingle Dinglenut. Yeah. Dinglenut. <laughs> Again, just funny, you know? Professor Dinglenut or whatever his name is. The whole movie, he's been little bit parts throughout. Just kind of in different disguises. The homeless uh, guy, the guy at Donut Hut. And Missy's place. Missy's other guy she was banging. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was funny, too. Yeah. He played several different roles, which, you know, in the movie, it's not a fucking secret. I mean, it's obvious this guy's in disguise, and it's the same guy over and over again. The professor's voice. I loved his voice. When you arrive at the warehouse, we are quite sure that both of those magic ninjas will indeed be on the premises. We were able to find some hair samples of theirs at the crime scene in Missy's apartment, and those we combined with a special bullet guidance system, which I developed here at the lab. He was the old ring announcer. I mean, that, that was basically his serious Darius voice that he was using. I've always found him to be one of those great little pieces of Juggalo yeah. fandom. Like, oh, it's Stefan. I mean, because uh, Stefan's the one that kicked off the Lotus Ring. That's his voice. Right. During each cycle of life on this very planet, 
You have a beginning, and you have an ending. As each cycle occurs, the souls living are forced to make a decision. They must choose to live life following either the stoic path of devoutness and worship that many believe eventually leads to an afterlife of eternal bliss, or they may choose to live life following the opulent path of hedonism and non-belief, which many believe leads only to eternal damnation. In this day and age, the time of choice is strongly upon us. A lotus of the night, a simple dark lotus, has emerged from sacred soil. From this unfolds a single truth. Those who believe in the gospel of the Dark Carnival recognize this as our last warning. The very next message brought before us will be the Almighty Six Jokers card. For now, let us relish within the Lotus. And so Sugar Bear's off to the compound to go find Big Baby Sweets. He runs into a few guards at the very beginning. Then he, he runs into this one guard who's like licking the tip of his rifle. That's the other half of Jerky Boys. I guess they had booked Jerky Boys, but I guess they had a huge falling out. Oh, yes. And yeah. they didn't want to work together. They would agreed to be in the film, but just not together. I think that that's actually how they recorded a lot of their later works in the like the mid to late nineties because they just hated each other <laughs> for whatever reason. But actually, they're back together. I don't, they're about to put in another album if they haven't already. Like twenty twenty one, they're releasing an album. <laughs> the guy licking the rifle, he also plays that guy who ogles Missy at the club as well. Yes. Come on, give me a heart attack. I want one back. And I think the Jerky Boys really permeate throughout this entire film. The clowns play off of them. They play off the clowns. It's, it's a very good little dynamic they have. Yeah. Uh, he's getting further and further in. He uses the ninja detector gun, kills the ninjas, gets the dog whistle. He kills Hag Benjamin, which I don't think we've talked about Hag Benjamin yet. No, not, not really, no. Uh, Hag Benjamin, is he, he was in the Let's Go All the Way video. Leading the uh, parade float. That's right, that's right. And that's Jump Steady as well inside that suit. Uh, Jump Steady, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was in the service, right? Yeah, he, he was in Desert to, Storm. Yep. So he had some military, you know, experience. And so he kind of just put that towards the Hack Benjamin character with all of his fancy gunplay. And I love that gun with the duct tape on it, just blowing people away. Just no fucks given. You got to die. Just murking him out. Mm-hmm. He gets the dog whistle. He takes out Hack Benjamin. And then we get to another one of my favorite scenes, which you find out how to take out Big Stank and Little Poot, which is just sick. Their parents. Their parents. <laughs> Fantastic scene. I love it. I thought it was great. It was poorly recorded, I want to say. Yeah. Like it's the sound recording. And that sucks. But yeah, I thought the joke in itself was so funny. What is the meaning of this? Hanging around with this riffraff when you should be home mowing the lawn. Mm-hmm. I knew you were up to something when Mr. Perkins called and said you both missed your violin lessons. Do you have any idea how long we've been looking for you today? And you know it's family fun night at the roller rink. I've been there before. I remember trying to leave my house with face paint on and my parents is roasting the fuck out of mm-hmm. me. Almost like an extension of that Malenko skit, you know, uh, oh, shit, I got yearbook, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, just a <laughs> fake-ass gangster, yeah. Right. <laughs> they grab him by the ears, and they take him out, 
And so then it's nothing but Big Baby and Sugar Bear. But he has one more henchman. And surprise, everybody, WWE's own Mick Foley is his immediate henchman to keep him from Sugar Bear. He plays this character named Cactus Sack. And man, we got to go back on this reference. It's okay. So I want to say, what era was Franklemania? Was that uh, Ringmaster or Riddlebox? No, it was definitely Riddlebox. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Stranglemania is this little tape that they made where. If there are any juggalos out here or, or non juggalos, we're talking about how funny we think Big Money Hustlers is. This is one of the funniest things that they've ever done, is Stranglemania. You've got these. Japanese deathmatch videos where these people are stabbing each other with light bulbs and going through barbed wire and hitting each other with baseball bats with nails in them. And then they did their own wrestling commentary mm-hmm. over it, which is like the star of the show on this on this video. Violent J and Shaggy, or 3D and Guido, as they call right. themselves, just making the most ludicrous commentary. <laughs> you know, back in the day, Terry Funk and Cactus Jack or Mick Foley would yeah. do these Japanese death style matches with exploding light bulbs and barbed wire and all that stuff. I guess for copyright purposes, they they called uh, Mick Foley in his uh, cameo in the movie the Cactus Sack. So, you know, again, it's more right. than juvenile name calling Cactus Sack. <laughs> right. If you haven't seen that, to look it up. Definitely worth a watch. Now, wrestling fans, I ask you, who's the bad guy here? That's what the fuck I want to know. You see Cactus Jack breaking rules. Yes, but you don't see him grabbing your shit and breaking it, do ya? Like fucking Lama Nama backstabbing fuckface Noobi. Lama Nama Noobi, I ought to come out of this retirement and beat your fucking ass. That's right, beat your fucking ass with the same camera that you took on that poor guy. Both Shaggy and Milo J can take wrestling bumps. You know, they know how to do it. And so it's, it's always fun to see them with that wrestling hat on. You know, it's so fun. And so then we finally get the big showdown between... Uh, Big Baby Sweets and Sugar Bear. That was good, but you can definitely tell this is a movie. Because had it been real life, he'd have fucked you up! With Mike Clark. Oh my god, That's I was. that was another part where I was like crying. Oh, who the fuck keeps playing that music? It's me. It's Mike yeah. Clark. Mikey Clark. I yeah. produce your music. I love him trying to show off his money on the inside of his jacket, and then he just Bullets. squibs going off, just pop, 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 yeah. pop, pop. We're playing. And so then Big Baby Sweets goes down. The cops show up. The day is saved, basically. But there's one more thing we have to do, and that's find out who's underneath Big Baby Sweets' face paint. And so they wipe the face paint off, and surprise, surprise, it's Officer Harry Cox. (laughs) Please welcome Harlan Williams. It makes no sense, but it's just fun. And then the final scene, we go back to the church from the very beginning scene. But then I guess Sugar Bear starts seeing the preacher and the altar boy in different light. And all of a sudden it looks like Big Stank and Little Poot, Madrox and Monoxide. And of course it is, obviously. So it's like, um, according to uh, Isaiah and shit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, a star came from like Nazareth, which ain't too far from like right around the corner from like Little Mo's Hot Wings and shit, you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, it brought the Holy Ghost and like congregation and shit. You know what I'm saying? And in conclusion to that, you know what I mean? It's just like we we, we all getting holy up in this bed. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And we ain't playing neither. I, I love their bit about, well, just wait till I get off this cross. I'm gonna fuck me somebody. <laughs> they open the casket and it's big baby sweets. The wicked class will never die! 
Everybody has automatic weapons. You know, the chief comes back. You know, it's a whole huge, you know, outro scene. Big Money Hustles has- went gold, right? Went platinum. Platinum. Got facts to back my shit up, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> Don't forget, you have Billy Bill, who the CEO of Psychopathic currently, but at the time was basically just their bodyguard, their road manager. Sure, you know, the second you get on stage, Billy Bill will come out and just wreck your ass, you know, just right. throw your ass back out in the crowd. He's just in there just kicking everybody's ass, throwing people across the room, and it just says Billy Bill was not in this movie. So we finally get to the outtakes of the film, which I, th- I want to say this is where really see the, the the twisted magic ninja thing you know like where that's kind of highlighted they do it in the movie they do there's a longer take on the outtakes magic magic ninja. the magic ninja magic magic ninja what magic magic ninja what magic magic ninja what magic Magic ninjas, magic, magic ninjas. Go ninja, go, go, go ninja, go. And I think that longer take is what cemented, you know, the chance going forward, you know, in the subculture. Yeah. So, you know, you get the magic, magic ninjas, what, you know, during, I mean, you'd get them during the ICP shows, of course. Sure. But you'd also get them during the Twisted shows, you know, with those chants, those are kind of theirs, you know. So much so that their record label that they eventually split off and made ended up being called Magic Ninja Entertainment. And that's totally a Big Money Hustlers reference. There's a record label that has a Big Money Hustlers reference. Right. That's kind of its stake on pop culture, really. If you don't know what that is, you just don't know what that is. Like, why did they call themselves Magic Ninja Entertainment? We want to thank each and every one of you for supporting M&E's evolution and making us the number one record label of the underground. So A and B, you know where their name came from, right? The Axe Murder Boys? No, I don't. Uh, Shaggy's line in uh, Axe Murder Boy, Wig, uh, wig Cat Pillow, I Can Wear a Pillow Jacket, Look Fresh. David Crush like was. Yeah, I got bombs in my locker. No shit. Okay, yeah. yeah. That was my thing. Like, I mean, I heard Slaughter. Oh, dude. Slaughter. And, and I was just like, oh my God, Slaughter's fucking amazing. Yeah. The whole record is a banger. And yeah. it's so catchy and so earwormy. The Muerte, even, even the Magic Ninja stuff is good. There's no doubt that that dude's super talented. That's why Jay was grooming him to be the, the successor, I feel. I thought that AMB was like the future of the Juggalo sound. Yeah. What happened happened. Just watching and seeing how it goes. And, and at the same time, we get double the music. Did you hear Unlikely Prescription yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. If I wasn't preparing myself to listen to a Twisted album and I heard that album... Not knowing it was twisted, I'll be like, okay, I get this. I think there are some really good tracks on there. That Neon Vamp one is always in my head for whatever reason. I, I love it. That's my go-to station is uh, Sirius XM Turbo, which is 90s and 2000s rock. Yes! Is, you know, I love yeah. Turbo, dude. Yeah, that's, that's my so- channel. Detractors, man, about what Twist is doing right now, they've put out three albums in the past year. Right. Go listen to Mad Season and go listen to Revelation and tell me that they aren't still fucking monsters on the mic those two albums are so solid for this long and just people just are are looking for reasons to hate if they don't listen to that you know what i mean it was during the middle of the lockdown Mm -hmm. and nobody was releasing anything but twisted released mad season Mm -hmm. and i was like no shit brand new twisted record and i popped it on and i I was doing an overnight shift i work at an airport 
Okay. I was, I was doing like a the 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift. Very lonely shift. And I could just yeah. pop in headphones and just go. And I remember being like, holy shit, these guys still fucking got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mad Season's one of my favorites the last few years. Mm-hmm. So good. I love uh, Revelation. I think that one tops Mad Season. Okay. Okay. I haven't but, heard that one yet. Yeah. Oh, you haven't? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you need to check that one out. Is that the one with the black cover and the skull? That, no, that's Generation Nightmare. Any other recommendations on the underground right now that you that you like? Man, I'm shit, dude. I'm I'm really on Ouija right now. I, okay, I love Ouija. I never thought I'd be like the the trap rap type of guy, but I love me some Ouija. And then like that whole genre, like Ghost Mane, Suicide Boys. I love that shit. Such I like Ding Ding Doll. I like oh, Ding Ding Doll. I, I played Rizzo Ding Ding Doll. He didn't yeah. like it. Oh really? Yeah, and I was like, that that hook is so dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you listened to the uh, the Walking Home track, the Monday thing, and all that? Yeah. I have not. That walking home track's dope too. I'll throw it in because I've already got Stranglemania uh, here ready to upload for you. Okay, let me uh, let me wrap up this thing, man, and we can. We oh can sure. Get... You are the man, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah. Sure, sure. I wish I had something I could offer you. No, no worries, man. Oh, I've got some <laughs> shit that I can't send you, but but you like you'd have to come over and watch it. And just and seeing them now, how wise they are, really, and and how much time they've had in the game, and uh, actually, whenever the news broke about Jay's uh, heart condition. Yeah, back in back in December of 2020, I went to the hospital and I was diagnosed oh, no shit. with with AFib. No kidding. Oh wow. He was talking about you know having to walk to his studio from his house, and he said he was already winded. Like I was like I felt that shit when he said, "Wow." Like like I know exactly what you're talking. It just just feels like just people just pulling you down, like people with hands on your shoulders and your and your neck, and just just, just trying to pull you into the ground. Like what's the remedy? You got to get blood thinners and you know, like you got to make sure your heart's pumping right because AFib is like the rhythm is off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so what you got to do is you got to take medication to keep the rhythm on point. You got to do that until the day you die, because if you don't, you run the risk of it you know, going off track again. You hit those same old symptoms of weakness and lack of breath and bad blood flow, loss of feeling in your extremities, stuff like that. Oh, shit. I can see where Violent Jay's coming from. Like He doesn't want to be stuck in Missouri somewhere yeah. him have an episode or whatever. I totally get, you know, having a home base in Detroit to do do his business. But I love the fact that they're turning into studio gangsters as well. Releasing new music and stuff like that, but still just in a very studio sense. Like he said in the seminar, they're not stopping. You got to think about it. Think about how many annual events that they have already right now. So they've got right. The Gathering. They have Hallow Wicked. Juggalo Day, Ballers. As far as like required appearances by Insane Clown Posse on a yearly basis, it's about half a dozen easy. At least, yeah. How long has it been since you've seen them? just want to say The Gathering, 2017. Tw- oh, really? I, I, Oklahoma, yeah. That was my last live show. But I but I got to tell you, uh, I told you that I fell off, right? Uh, uh-huh. From 07 to 12. I mean, I got back into the music, but I didn't go see a live show for years. And so I want to say 2015, the uh, the Missing Link, the okay, Fount tour yeah. at the Southside Ballroom. Mm-hmm. That was my first show since Sunset. And wow. but, but you know what's fucking crazy is that that whole night I was like, you know what? I'm just going to lay in the cut. I'm not going to make a big thing out of it. You know, like I'm just going to be here, watch the show. A little bit of nostalgia for me, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, the second everything started popping off. I started getting closer and closer to the stage. Yeah. And, and then by the end, I'm covered in glitter and confetti and fago. <laughs> and I'm just screaming ICP's name. And I'm just like, God damn it. I mean, it just reminded me again, just like even on how the missing missed link it, right? to in a half full room, how great that magic can be. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's fucking cool, man. 
Like I was, I was all, I was all in again in 2015. Uh, I thought the outtakes was kind of better than the. I do too. Yeah, but that's you know that's Otis's production. You know, it was that was an Otis Joker's card, which is fine because that dude can produce his ass off. You know, I don't know that it's an ICP type sound. But when you hear Fred Fury, it's much more fluid. Yeah, if you ask you know ten juggalos about uh, Fred Fury, you'll get ten different opinions. But right. uh, hopefully, this doesn't go in anywhere. <laughs> like I'm not using it either. Okay. Well, actually, so, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I'll just stop recording. Maybe. Dude, back then it was probably Circuit City. You know what? I actually had a thing against Circuit City, so I didn't. I, I always said fuck Circuit City and went and just went to Best Buy. And there you have it, guys. Uh, I thought this talk had a good mansplain to inside baseball ratio, you know, which is always good. Uh, but if you made it this far, I would love to know about it. So if you could, uh, leave us a comment on the real shit with the hashtag Weasel Faced Lobsters anywhere, anytime. And I'll know. I'll know that you've heard this part of the episode, so you've gotten through it. Uh, yeah, whenever you hear it, just drop that hashtag anywhere you want. Uh, so with that, and for Rylan Johnson and Scott Donahue, my name is Charlie Thompson, and we have been spitting the real shit. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace out. Starving, sporting a pair of troop sweats, hands tied up and cracked like the Sahara. Wanting everyone's affection. Wait a minute, that's me. I'm looking at my own reflection. Swing back, swing back, swing back, swing to myself long ago. Motherfucker, think of me, I'll put you away. I might not be God, but I'm the next best thing.
children to enjoy. You don't have to watch that happy, friendly Hulk Hogan, Brutus the Barber, Beefcake bullshit. Come check out Stranglemania, hosted by me, Diamond Donovan Douglas, better known as 3D. And handsome Harley Guastella, also known as Guido. And we'll take you to the limit in sports entertainment, brother. We'll take you to the peak of your potential. We'll show you power bombs and thumbtacks, suplexes and barbed wire, and other moves you never knew, such as the flying crane hook, the flying Filibio, and the Mascabana versus Cactus Sack, and it'll be a hell of a match, right, brother? Hey. One thing about Strangle Mania, brother. Strangle fucking Mania! That's it! Baba Bowie.